Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about the percentage of homes taking a price cut this spring and why he thinks that number will fall. We'll also talk about inventory and mortgage rates. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here, Sarah, in West Hollywood right now. Yes, yes. We're, we and a, a team from HousingWire are here for the um, California Association of Realtors, where you are giving an economic talk um, at one of their events. So it's, it's been really fun so far. Yes, yes. And uh, one of the topics that everyone wants to talk about is insurance. You know, uh, how is this going to happen in California and Texas and in Florida? Uh, of course, <laughs> it's very difficult to have a functioning market if you can't get insurance for your house, but just the general net costs increase uh, on top of everything else with housing. We have a new villain in the, uh, in the uh, play, so uh, something that does have to be discussed over time. Agreed. And especially in this, uh, you know, climate of unaffordability already. Um, and that's for here, that's for Florida, that's for different places where you have all those kind of really uh, extreme events. So that's not our topic today. Our topic today is talking about the spring home buying market. And specifically, are we going to see fewer homes that have to take price cuts to sell, which means this is a much stronger market. So you wrote that on the tracker this weekend. So I really want to delve into that. Yeah. It, you know, the headline um, was very factually true. Uh, if you look at the year over year data, uh, as we've seen it now, um, the price cut percentages, of course, you know, one third of all homes get price cuts all year round. I think this is one of the data lines that a lot of people didn't know about housing. Uh, of course, it's <laughs> when it gets higher mortgage rates, it, this data line gets higher. When it gets lower, the percentage comes lower. But one of the things that I thought about uh, 2023 is that when mortgage rates were heading toward 8% and got to 8%, the year-over-year -year price cut data was basically negative 4% the entire time. I thought that was a really big deal and didn't get the attention it deserved because it just showed a, a little bit more stable marketplace for sellers. But now, you know, the price cut percentages versus uh, last year at this time, we're declining now at a rate to where we're going to be below 2023 levels in the spring. And now we have lower mortgage rates into the mix. So it just we have started out the year with sellers being, of course, this is the seasonal strong price pricing uh, uh, portion of the year. So this naturally always occurs. Uh, housing is very seasonal and state aligned. But if this, this trend continues for the price cut percentages uh, in 2024 are going to break below the lows of 2023. And then, you know, we see the seasonal increase in price cut percentages as, you know, especially in the second half of the year. So this is just, it, it, it was noticeable last year and we're starting the year off uh, in this light. Uh, and if rates uh, stay stay at these levels or go lower, uh, I don't believe that data line is going to change much. If mortgage rates do go higher again, uh, like we saw last year, where 6% to 8%, that's a different story. But as of now, uh, it does look like the price cut percentages are going to break below 2023 levels in the spring of this year. 
So really, this is a demand story, right? I mean, why do prices, why, why do sellers take price cuts to sell their house? Because either they priced it wrong, which uh, of course they might have priced it too high, or it's just there's not the demand there at that price point. So from your perspective, like what's traditional on the price cut percentage? And then what have we seen over the last couple of years? Well, during this time, let's say in 2021, we're kind of running in the uh, uh, 20% range, which is very low historically. Uh, we're not that much higher from 2018 or 2019 levels currently. So it's not 2022. And I think that's, you know, one of the things I've tried to uh, convince people is 2022 was the craziest year ever. And the slope of the inventory curve was very aggressive. Even though total inventory didn't grow much, the slope of the inventory curve at that year was very fast. And the slope of the price cut percentages was very fast. So this is why I always tell people, we're going to have to take 2022 with a grain of salt and just say that using that year as comps, it also happened with the biggest crash in home sales, except that ended. That ended on November 9th, 2022. So if we don't have the biggest home sale crash ever recorded history, the sellers that are in the market currently aren't dealing with a existing home sales market that's going from six and a half million down to four million, like we saw in 2022. Um, it looks like as of right now, forward looking demand is getting better. So we could see an increase in demand from these very low levels of sales. And that just puts the seller buyer equilibrium in a different uh, position. So it shouldn't be shocking to anyone that we're going to break through the lows of 2023. I think uh, when people hear that, they think, oh, is, is, is prices really ac uh, accelerating higher? Not accelerating higher, but uh, sellers are in just a little bit more better position as rates have fallen down. You know, we, we had the purchase application data come out today and 6% uh, a uh, week-to-week increase. I know uh, the unadjusted numbers were 40% week-to-week. Ignore that. I don't usually put any stock into the last few weeks of the year or the first week, but before Christmas, the forward-looking data got better, like the, toward the end of 2022. So as of right now, we just go with it. Uh, and we could have inventory increase, new listings data increase, inventory increase. And as long as that supply and demand equilibrium is positive, the price cut percentages can fall. I think a lot of people make this mistake of saying, as soon as inventory goes up, prices will fall. Uh, active listings rise uh, uh, every spring, happens all the time. That doesn't necessarily mean that prices fall. In fact, you're running into the seasonal strong pricing period. Uh, so as of right now, unless rates move, or something happens on the inventory side, we just go with this trend. Uh, and at some point in spring, we're going to break through the lows of 2023 on the price cut percentages. And then we'll see what happens with the economy, the 10 year yield and everything in that regard. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, in uh, I think it was 2021, you coined the, the phrase savagely unhealthy housing market. Uh, to describe the craziness that we all lived through, you know, where, uh, I mean, you had like 25 offers on a home. Yeah. I mean, things were crazy. So no one expects that, but with this sort of formula of, of a little bit lower interest rates and, you know, you have that pent up demand now for the, for the last couple of years, what do you think? I mean, how would you describe what you're seeing shaping up for 2024 spring? Here, here's the thing, because rates are still high, we don't have that savagely unhealthy housing market. We, we still have times where the days on market are below a teenager level, but because mortgage rates are uh, closer to seven 
than three. Uh, we don't have the 75% of the housing market as multiple bids. That was not a good thing. See, the, the interesting aspect is in 2021, the multiple bid percentages, uh, everything was, was, was so unhealthy. But in March of 2022, uh, we got down to 240,000 single-family homes in America. And I always tell people, when you think of the United States of America, think of it as a country with 157 million people working, uh, over 335 million population. So in a lower interest rate environment with that few homes, you can see what happens. It got savagely unhealthy. Home prices escalate out of control. With higher rates, we don't have that kind of demand, but we do have you know, the, the, the core theory of too many people chasing too few homes. This explains why home prices rose, right, last year. It wasn't because demand was booming. It's just because active inventory was low. So uh, I wouldn't say it's the savagely unhealthy housing market in that regards. I'm not worried about 75% of the housing market having multiple bids. But we're just, we're in a better spot because uh, single family listings uh, is around 490,000. In 2022, is 240,000. So we're we're almost a near double uh, uh, of what we had. That's that's a positive, or a little bit more than double. Uh, so we don't have that massive marketplace of, of multiple bids. And part of that is mortgage rates are higher, right? If mortgage rates were at three percent, we have a different story, of course, altogether. But we're not we're not there. Uh, um, we will see it in the price cut percentages if something like that occurs. So we are uh, much higher than we were in 2021 and 2022, which again, keeps things somewhat balanced, somewhat uh, stable. Uh, back then it was just such a low inventory, such a low mortgage rate uh, that it, 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 prices could escalate out of control. Well, let's talk about um, mortgage rates and the 10-year yield. Um, what are we seeing this new year? What are the trends and what do you expect? Well, I, I always have this joke on Twitter that, you know, whenever the 10-year yield breaks under 4%, I do this picture uh, where I'm smiling and I go, hey, yeah, we all survived again. Uh, the 10-year yield uh, went below 4% or, you know, I survived the 4% 10-year. Uh, everything kind of looks right to me uh, on the 10 year yield side, we, we tested that 380 level, we bounced. The economic data is not breaking. So for some people it is confusing because uh, I still run into people that said, well, the growth rate of inflation has fallen so much. Uh, why, why hasn't mortgage rates? Mortgage rates don't go one-to-one -one, or the 10 year yield doesn't go a one-to-one -one with the growth rate of inflation all the time. So. Uh, we've made a very, very big move already from 5% on the 10-year yield down to 4%, uh, and mortgage rates have fallen. If the economic data starts to get softer, that yield will still going down. If the Federal Reserve starts to get a little bit more dovish, that yield will go down. We're going to have CPI data uh, uh, come out by the time this uh, podcast is out here. We have the PPI inflation data, but the inflation story is kind of not done, but you know we've already had the big drop in, in inflation. So this is why I always say, let's focus on economic data, right? The labor data. Uh, if that softens up, especially now that the Federal Reserve has done hiking rates, then the 10-year yield has the potential to go lower, uh, but it needs like jobless claims breaking or job openings data getting weaker or stuff like that. Uh, a, a big miss in retail sales a few months in a row. Something to that nature can drive yields uh, lower. But as of right now, so far, the range is stuck for 20. I mean, we just started the year, but everything looks 
normal to me on that front. Uh, the labor data is softening, but not breaking yet. So let's talk about the seasonal bottom in inventory because we had a really weird thing happen last year. Do you expect that? First of all, explain kind of what happened and then do you expect that this year? So we have had a very, very abnormal inventory cycle after 2020. Of course, COVID-19 was, you know, we all could understand COVID came, nobody wanted to list their homes. Uh, uh, 2020 can be ex explained very easily. But what's occurred in 2021, 2022, and 2023, this seasonal bottom in our weekly active inventory data is happening later in the year. Usually it bottoms in January, maybe sometimes February, and it increases. So we have these seasonal bottoms like in March and April, which to me is, is not good. And then then we have uh, uh, sometimes the inventory uh, peaks uh, later in the year. Um, I have a working theory that because we've had very abnormal late in the year demand runs, when active inventory is this low, you can take those homes out of the marketplace uh, uh, if you get purchase application data is rising toward the end of the year. And then just the natural inventory curve makes us bottom out later. Uh, uh, that's what I've seen in the data after COVID uh, every single year. And we had a similar thing uh, uh, happen. Rates fell toward the end of last year. I, I really want this uh, data line to just bottom in the next few weeks, and then we can get active inventory to grow. Uh, new listings data should grow year over year, just because we're working from the, uh, the lowest levels ever recorded history. And last year, what I saw is that even with mortgage rates getting toward 8%, the people that said mortgage rate lockdown would occur and that nobody would list their homes, we actually saw some year-over-year -year growth uh, in new listings just because it's working from the lowest levels ever. So I'm hoping that the next few weeks we get the seasonal bottom and then we have a normal increase. We can start to get back to something normal in the housing market. Uh, not the case. Uh, so far, uh, uh, inventory fell, even though we're growing on a year-over-year -year basis. Uh, we we'll we'll keep an eye on this over the next three weeks because that's something I really want to say. I'm a very pro supply person, uh, so uh, it, it'll be very endearing to my heart if we could get the seasonal bottom in January and get the normal increase and get more supply, more choices, better for everyone. Right? We don't have stressed sellers or anything like that that people have been worrying about for 12 years. So. Uh, we will see, I, I'm, I'm a little bit suspect just because of what happened toward the end of last year. Uh, rates fell, purchase application data grew for six weeks before the uh, Christmas and uh, New Year's holiday. And now we're going into the new year. So we'll, we'll see how it works. But it, it's, it's extremely abnormal what we have seen on the seasonal inventory data uh, after 2020. So we know that anytime we talk about uh, price cut percentages or even just home prices, it's very it's very specific to different markets. So when you look at that, you know, can you give us any kind of breakdown of like this is where you know this is where you you should see more, this is where you're going to see less, and are there any surprises there? Well, right now, you know, we see you know Texas, Florida, uh, New Orleans; those areas are showing uh, noticeable year-over-year -year, uh, growth. Uh, in inventory, California is dead uh, on the inventory side. Uh, uh, so uh, we see the, the um, those states uh, are are seeing inventory. It is it is interesting with the insurance discussion now that we're all having, where property taxes and insurance, you know. 
people that have 30 year fixed mortgage or, or no uh, no mortgage at all are are shielded to a degree with insurance. So if your insurance cost goes up a thousand dollars for a year, you average out for 12 months, you know, that's like two DoorDash dinners a month. You know, so you, people that have lived in their homes for a very long time can actually um, um, handle this. But boy, you got to think about retirees. You know, uh, um, in some cases, you know, uh, if they do have a mortgage uh, and their insurance cost goes up, you know, and they have a lot of equity for some people might not be there. Also for uh, uh, renters, I I actually discussed this with an analyst. I I kind of explained, does a landlord really have the ability to put all the costs of insurance going up when rent inflation is slowing down? when there's other opportunities. So kind of look at it in that light. If I'm a landlord and I just got a big, huge property tax and uh, uh, and hit uh, on the insurance side, and I see everyone else's, you know, rents are going down in some cases, do I have the ability to do that? Or is everyone in the same boat? This is why it's gonna be an interesting year on that front. Uh, and I know that, you know, there's, there's governors trying to uh, alleviate the pain of, of insurance by putting solutions on the table, but we'll see how this works out uh, um, because the 30 year fixed mortgage is fixed. So you don't have to worry about that. But in some parts of the US that property taxes and insurance is going up uh, for some households, it, it's very manageable. Uh, uh, we ran some numbers on this, not not that big of an issue, but for other households, it, it, it easily can be. Um, for renters, it'll be uh, very easy to see if that is a situation where landlords do try to pass the cost onto and they're like uh no wage growth is not growing as fast as it used to be so it, there's there's that uh, uh dynamic that's going to be in in the forefront in 2024 and we'll see how that plays out toward the end of the year you know i mean that's where you look at florida and go oh that's kind of a perfect storm no you know didn't mean to use that metaphor but just like the the number of retirees there the amount that the insurance is going to have to go up and has already gone up and or people can't get insurance like it feels like florida is going to be the battleground state for this fight and 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 for any solutions that we're going to be able to find yeah you know i I, at some point governors do step in um uh, florida has always benefited from low uh housing costs uh, versus other states especially new york uh, and new jersey but you know if you can't get insurance for your home, your store is over, right? You're just basically, you know, hoping that uh, nothing happens in a, in a state like that, because let's be honest here, it's not like climate change is getting better, right? <laughs> so it's, uh, this is a trend that's going one way to the opposite way you want to see. So uh, it, it does make a very, very interesting two to three decades in housing on that front. You know, if everything stays constant and we, we do see these weather patterns get worse and worse, what happens to parts of the country that cannot get, it does not make insurance out? I would argue that, you know, if you wanted to do this, you could have an effective federal government uh, plan put step in. Because, I mean, whenever we have a natural disaster, guess who comes in? The federal government comes in and bails out. Is there going to be a solution where the federal government actually steps in? Uh, uh, and, and tries to regulate houses, try to make them uh, more efficient against uh, climate change, and but they will ensure it. We're, we're so far from that conversation, uh, but it, it's something to think about going down uh, years and decades here 
in America because uh, things uh, are, are heading uh, the wrong way in this discussion with climate change. So my last question is, um, you know, over the last couple of years, we've had these weird events happen, um, or I guess not weird, but like not easy to predict. So things like the banking crisis um, that we had, uh, you know, different different invasions of things, like just like what you call variables in the landscape, right, on, in the macro landscape that can affect what's going on. What do you what are you keeping an eye on uh, this spring? Well, we'll see if the Red Sea situation escalates out of control. Um, one thing about the growth rate of inflation, a lot of people are seeing shipping costs goes up and they think, oh, inflation is really going to skyrocket. It, it doesn't work that way. One component of the data line does not move all of inf inflation data. In, in fact, there's some really, really bad takes on inflation that inflation will go back to the pre-COVID highs very soon. No, unless you have shelter inflation, rent inflation take off, which is not happening. Uh, um, it, it's very difficult and you need an entire country to have rent inflation take off like it did. It doesn't really move that way. We're, we're actually at the disinflation period of this year. Um, the banking crisis last year hurt the spreads. Maybe we have a good variable. Maybe the spreads get a little bit better than we think. Uh, maybe a positive surprise for once, not a negative surprise. Um, you know, with Russia, China, you know, uh, Saudi Arabia, what's going on there? Uh, is there going to be a surprise we don't know about on, on the geopolitical side? We'll, we'll see. But on, on the economic side, um, uh, we're always anticipating because nothing's, you know, nothing comes out of a, 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 or nothing is normal. I think one of the concerns that people had last year is that rates went up so much so fast, they thought we'd have another banking crisis or another credit event. So everyone's waiting for this credit event to happen where another bank goes under and the Fed has to come in. And, you know, uh, that could be a negative in a sense that we saw that uh, impact the spreads uh, in a negative light. So it is interesting now because the Fed is done hiking uh, uh, and with that mindset uh, uh, becoming more of a dual mandate of Fed, that's what you want to hear. How do they react to something like that or, you know, uh, the credit getting tighter on the commercial side because these commercial loans are are getting uh, 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 are going to have more losses? I, I got a one good question. People go, well, how are businesses surviving with such high interest rates? Well, think about it in this light. Uh, if you are a business, you have these you have this debt cost that's fixed already. You don't have to refinance your debt. But interest rates had gone up so much so fast that the cash that you have on your bank is actually earning you more money than you've ever had. So in, in the short run, a lot of companies are actually f not only fine, but they're doing a little bit better. Uh, think of it in that light, because uh, uh, it's not like a lot of businesses have to you know, refinance their debt soon. It's the maturity of debt is really key. And, and hopefully that explains why a lot of businesses have have. have, have been able to to work well. Of course, if you do have to refinance your debt or something, or as we like to say, the Canadian homeowners that are talking about 90 year mortgages now, that's a different story. But uh, as of now, we're just, you know, pushing along with the economic cycle. But again, just like this, anything can happen, changes everything. And you have to be there every single day, weekly, and, and then go with it. And then we see how the tracker responds to the data line. Last year, we went from mortgage rates getting down to 6%, and then we headed to 8%. And 
the tracker data was kind of telling us, hey, even at 8%, things aren't looking like they did in 2022. And this is the value of having a live weekly uh, uh, tracker uh, to keep in line because we're basically doing what the data is telling us, how the market is reacting. We're not believing in a hypothetical theory or silver tsunami or Godzilla is going to fight King Kong or something like that. We are basically moving along with what the data has shown us. And that's that we're always mindful of these things popping out of nowhere. But my, would it be nice to have a positive surprise for once uh, out there? Because I'm still not in the Fed has pivoted camp. The Fed policy is still restrictive. Uh, where the growth rate of inflation is, the Fed funds rate to 10-year, it is very restrictive, especially for housing. So maybe maybe the Fed surprises me. Maybe they maybe they uh, uh, become more dovish than, than I think they will be. But we'll take that one day at a time. We'll take that. No, I like the idea of like, you know, just because it's a surprise doesn't mean it's a bad surprise. That's kind of what we've experienced over the last couple of years. So I like that. Um, either way, this spring homes, uh, home buying, home selling season should be very interesting. So we will keep doing the tracker um, for our listeners. That comes out every Saturday uh, based on the weekly data that we get from Altos Research, which Logan spends Friday night pouring over um, and then has it ready to go Saturday morning. So look for that. And Logan, thanks so much for being on. Thanks for thanks for everything. And remember, the tracker is 10-year yield, purchase application data, uh, uh, new listings, active listings, price cut percentages, and all the economic data that's going to come out in the week. And then how did the market react to all the economic data? Again, remember, it's this is it's a moving variable equilibrium ecosystem of economics, and it all revolves around where does the 10-year yield go, right? The 10-year yield runs everything. So that's why we focus so much on the 10-year yield. Amazing. All right. We will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.